do you have any belief that you stand a chance to win this nomination, let alone the presidency? Most of the people that are in elective office in Washington, D.C. have held public office before. How's that working for you? Herman Cain, Solutions for a Better America. This is your host, Herman Cain. Thank you for joining us. Because you know we are going to tell you the truth. We're going to give you the facts. We want you to be better informed to help make this a better USA. Breaking news. Breaking news. Every day with Herman Cain and the most connected man in Washington, Jamie Dupree. Hello, Jamie. Hello, Herman. Were you glued to the town hall gun meeting last night? You gave me my uh, my orders, Herman. So <laughs> it was a request. Was, it was a request. My homework. <laughs> You know, I thought it was interesting. I mean, uh, I was wondering, you know, what it would be like. Would it uh, be just a, a lot of easy hanging curveballs for the president? You yes. know, actually, it was not. Uh, there were a, a number of difficult questions for him last night. Now, you know, it wasn't all softballs. There were some people who were favorable for, uh, to him there. That was uh, obvious. But there were also a few people who put the president on the spot over his plans over guns and, and, and you know, basically and, and straight out said that they didn't think that any of those things that he's proposed would have stopped recent mass shootings. Uh, the president was clearly ready to take on the NRA. The NRA did not send anybody there. They said it was a political kind of scene. And, and, right. and you could see how he would want to have somebody from the NRA there to to focus his ire on. I thought it was interesting the president several times complained that he feels like that his every time he says anything about guns that the rhetoric that comes back against him is over the top and accuses him of trying to, you know, take everybody's guns away and do all kinds of things that he says he's not talking about. You know, and I think that's something very important to understand is that there are a lot of people who look at even what would be, you know, sort of the minimal things that the president did this week who say, well, wait a sec, it's going to lead to something worse. Whether that's a real argument or not is not the point. There are people who feel that way. And uh, certainly on guns, there's very little middle ground. And I think that was obvious from last night's town hall. Now, the PR push goes on. Today, there's uh, an op-ed that the president has written and put in the New York Times. Uh, he's going to have a call this afternoon with gun control activists. Then, of course, I would fully expect that guns will uh, play some role in his State of the Union address on Tuesday night. I'm sure it will, but here's another observation that was revealed yesterday. You know, is it out of protocol for him to sit down with the Republican leaders in Congress and have a civil discussion about where there is some common ground Maybe something could get done, but it appears, according to a couple of representatives, that that sort of thing has not happened on gun control or on some of these other issues. Now, uh, I don't think that the relations are that good between the president, frankly, not only between him and Republican leaders in the Congress, but between him and Democrats in the Congress either. There's there's not as much sort of back and forth there. It's, it's difficult because, you know, uh, I, I understand why people would say, well, if they'd only sit down and talk. Um, a couple months before he, uh, he left office, uh, Speaker Boehner, uh, told me, I asked him in the hallway one time, I said, uh, you know, have you been playing golf? Are you going to play golf with uh, President Obama again? And he said, you know, I'd like to, but both of us get so much flack from doing that that it's not worth it. And the the uh. basic answer was that by meeting with the president, it, it, uh, it stirs up a lot of people who feel like the Republican leadership is selling them out. By meeting with the Republicans, it stirs up a lot of people on the Democratic side who think the president's selling them out. So Gee. I think both sides are feeling the heat from, you know, some of their more vocal constituents and party members who don't want them really to sit down and compromise. They only want what they want. Now, on guns, I, you know, there's just no middle ground, any rational middle ground. I don't blame either side for it. That's just the way it is. 
Could there be a change? I mean, I have witnessed in the last uh, two decades, we've moved from a slight majority for gun control in the Congress to an overwhelmingly strong majority against gun control and for gun rights. That could always swing at some point in time, but I don't see right now the president's call for action on expanded background checks or anything making it through. But again, as I've said, Herman, what I feel from Democrats in interviewing them in the halls here in Congress and what I get from watching the president is that I think they've decided, hey, if we're going to lose, let's at least lose while we're fighting. And let's just not sort of paper it over and forget about it. So I think that's part of what we're seeing here. Well, we're going to move on from guns because I don't think... (laughs) Much is going to come out of it. No, I, I, some I, narrative, I, like I would be yesterday. absolutely shocked yeah. if there's any deal. It would take a horrific uh, kind of event, I think, to move anybody. Uh, I do think at some point there might be something that happens, but not right now. Gotcha. 2016, you have a question or an answer about I do the have polls. a question. What's the question? Where are the polls? <laughs> Um, you know, it's been really odd. I mean, uh, yeah. it, it makes sense that over the holiday break that we wouldn't have much polling data and that there would be very little that would come out. But if, you know, you go to like I, I click on real politics, real clear politics here and what there's been one New Hampshire poll right. in about we, the last what, four weeks, three weeks. Well, that New was Hampshire one that polls. we talked about this morning that came out, a public policy poll on yeah, New Hampshire. And they're a Democratic-leaning yeah. organization, so you have to sort of take them with a grain of salt. Yes. But that's been it since the middle of December. Yeah. And it just makes me wonder, and same in Iowa, same in a number of other states. I mean, what if there's big moves out there and we have, you know, we're just sort of operating in the blind? You know what I mean? I know what you mean, but you made the point, and appropriately so, which helped to change the way I look at them, that the polls represent trends. Yeah, well, for so if you long, don't have any polls, you can't have any trends. <laughs> yeah, you got a trend. We don't have any. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> the trends that we're talking about are old. Now, the one poll from this week that I thought was interesting was the, the one that was done in California on the Republican race, because California really hasn't had that much attention individually. So to me, it's probably more of a national sample. You know what I mean, Herman? Uh, yes. They haven't seen a lot of the candidates. It's not like it's Iowa or New Hampshire or Nevada or South Carolina where they've been stopping through or anything. And in that, it showed Cruz and Trump at the top with Rubio, the only other one, in double digits. And I sort of wonder if that's where we are. But again, we are sort of flying blind. What we've got coming up is next Thursday, there's a GOP debate on the 14th. There's going to be a Democratic debate on the 17th and another uh, Republican debate on the 28th. So we've got a couple debates coming up here. There's still a chance for people to make a mark. Things are getting a little more chippy out there in terms of the jabs that you're seeing between different Republicans and, and, and the Democratic race as well. But uh, I, I sure am going to be interested to see the next slew of polls and whether there's there's been any big change. Jamie, they're not chippy. They're taking daggers to the throats yeah. on some of these well, negative look, attacks. Let's get down to business. <laughs> um, I know people, they always say, oh, I can't stand negative politics. You know what? Now is the time to hit your opponent in the face. Okay? Now is not the time to be nice. Now is the time to start going for it. Because the last thing you ever want to do is look back the day after the primary and think, hey, geez, what if I was a little stronger? What if I'd done a little more? Uh, and time is running out. I think a lot of them do the early attack uh, attacks because they don't, they don't want to be the one to get the second blow. You sure, know, They want sure. to be the first one to throw that punch. Now, you said the Democrats have a debate on the 17th. Would that be yes. a Sunday night? That would be the Sunday night, the night before the King holiday, a federal holiday. It will not interfere, I guess, with the NFL football games. I guess the playoff games will be over before that debate starts. But yes, Sunday night. So they're still not doing one during the week, still buried on the weekend. 
but this one might get a little more coverage uh, than the last. Yeah, that's what I was thinking about in terms of uh, the NFL playoff game. But like you said, it'll probably come a little bit later than that. Do you know who's sponsoring that in terms of the uh, t- which TV channel? Oh, I just station? got. I think it's NBC. I want to okay. say. All I right. think that's what it was, if I remember, because I just got the little notice the other day to get credentials for it. I think that's who's next. The no, Fox Business is the next Republican debate. On the 14th, On yes. the 14th, and then the Democratic debate is NBC, and I think Fox News is doing the debate in Iowa for the Republicans on the 28th. Got it. So the reconciliation bill is now on the president's desk, yep. right? I and would assume that uh, they'll veto it maybe, I don't know, it's, you know, uh, put yourself in their shoes. Would you veto it before the State of the Union? Would you veto it after or announce that you're vetoing it at the State of the Union to put a little play? I mean, I would assume that the president on Tuesday night is going to stand up and defend his signature legislative achievement. And so maybe you want to highlight that by talking about your veto of that. You could do that. Um, You know, there's uh, the the strategy for what you want to discuss at a State of the Union. It can be so wide ranging and such a long speech that just the mere mention of something can create a little news or it can get lost in all the stuff that's happening there. The White House said a few weeks ago that this was going to be an unconventional State of the Union address. Now, yeah. I haven't heard anything else from them on what that means, but we'll have to see over the next couple of well, days. Well, unconventional uh, State of the Union address scares me because it's going to be filled with more. He stated in an audio clip that we played that it's going to highlight their remarkable achievements. Well, and that's it's, it's funny you say that because I spoke to a couple of Democrats yesterday and I said, you know, what do you want to see the president talk about Tuesday in the State of the Union? And both of them, first thing out of their mouth, so it makes me think it's maybe talking points that have been delivered already by the White House, was that they want the president to talk about what he's achieved during his time in office. Oh, wow. Well, Jamie, we, you know, well, Are you going to assign I, me to watch that one too, Herman? I'm going to force myself to watch that one along with you, okay? That, um, State of the Union uh, yep. may be, uh, it's one of the, the most hated events to cover up here <laughs> for a reporter. <laughs> really? Well, yeah, because um, the, the security is just awful and yep. over the top. You've got to be here in the building hours before the speech starts. Uh, the, the scene afterward in what I call the legislative mosh pit of all the members rushing out of the speech, many of them before it's even over, so they can get interviewed by the TV stations and networks and radio and and print reporters, and then they can get out of there as fast as they can, and then to watch members of Congress stand in a 20-deep line waiting to be interviewed for about 40 seconds by their local TV affiliate, stuff like that. It's really sort of an odd scene. And, you know, unfortunately, there's... Rarely is there big news, quote unquote, in an event like that, uh, because you'll have the, um, uh, you know, the 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 president's party, the members of his party will come out and say things. Oh, he hit a home run, and oh, the yeah. other side will say, well, how's he going to pay for all this? Yeah. Or you know, none of these things make sense. And and the press releases are often sent out uh, two to three hours before the speech even occurs, so everybody's got their talking points ready to go. Don't don't you all get a copy of the entire? Usually maybe about uh, just about 15 or 20 minutes before it's delivered. But I think last time the White House released it uh, about an hour beforehand. So we'll see if they do that again this time. Well, don't get crushed in what you call it, marsh pit. The legislative marsh pit, (laughs) M-O-S-H. Yes, it's um, uh, I remember Strom Thurmond, you know, in his 90s, standing there in line with everybody else to get interviewed late at night. And you just think to yourself, really? 
Uh, and there's an actually there's a number of lawmakers who don't even go. They act like they're there, uh, but they just watch it from home because they just don't want to be there for the whole festivities. Any update on Corinne Brown being yeah, Corinne Brown, served um, something at a barbecue restaurant? Yeah, so she wasn't served. Well, she was served food, and then she was served a subpoena. We still don't know what the Florida Democrat has been asked to turn over by the feds. Uh, I do have to say the way that she was served caused, as I discussed it with lawmakers yesterday, their mouths to just drop open because they felt like it was not a normal kind of way of doing it. Uh, She still has not evidently sent a letter to the speaker notifying him that she has received the subpoena. And the bottom line is nobody has any idea what it's about, whether it's really serious or just something else. Uh, One other little homework assignment for you for next week. Uh, There's a lot of talk about Debbie Wasserman Schultz being asked to leave the head of the DNC. See if you can ask a few of the Democrats whether or not there's any fire with respect to that story. As of now, it does not seem like it, Herman. I think there are people, I, I think it's one of those things, it's almost getting too late, and that she'll stick around, and then they want to push her out as fast as they can. Amazing. Well, thanks a lot, Jamie. Have See a great you, weekend. You're listening to the Herman Cain Show. <laughs>